everyone. Welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. How you doing, Rachel? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Excellent. Before we get into this week's episode, I need to make a correction. My brother actually wrote to me. He's the marine biologist oh, from our yeah. Under the Sea episode, right? So he wanted to make sure he talked about an explorer named Bibi, who... Uh, went to the deep in the Mariana Trench. However, it was not him. It was another couple of explorers named Walsh and Picard. So uh, anyway, he just wanted to make sure that we cleared that up. Okay, so to be clear, it was not BB. It was not BB. It was Walsh and Picard who Captain went Captain Picard. The... <laughs> yes, Captain Picard. <laughs> he made it so. <laughs> and went into the Mariana Trench. So... Where no man had gone before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, here's another thing from the corrections. <laughs> I need to apologize. Apparently, when I converted the last episode, a segment was missing the first time around. It was only up for about 12 hours, and we, we did take that link down and put a new one up. So we apologize for any of you that were listening and hit minute 15 and are like, what the fuck? Where is that move? <laughs> Where to go? Um, we have put up the corrected version, and uh, thanks to our listener who pointed that out to us. <laughs> yes, thank you, Justin. <laughs> thank you for catching that. Sorry, guys. I swear it was in We're there. We're still figuring this out. <laughs> so this week, Rachel, when you have problems and you need to talk them out, who do you usually turn to? Oh, I just scream into my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> my pillow has all the answers. Just yell. God, I've got to try that. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I need just everyday advice, I might ask people, but my, I'm more interested in talking to my friends about the big questions, like trying to figure out what's it all mean. Why I'm, we're here. Yeah, I like those things. I like to get a little bit armchair philosophy going in my life. You know the best shell chat test? I'm not sure. You know that the test where there's a movie and – it has to have a scene in it with two women that don't talk about guys. I always feel like I'm on the other end of that. My girlfriend's asking, like, can we just talk about why you're hanging out with that dude rather than that dude? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I've also been in that position. But more often than not, I, I, I feel like it's cooler to think about what do you want to do? What's the cool thing to do in the world? So I don't know. Does that answer your question? I, I guess I just, I don't really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I come to you sometimes, you know that. That's true. <laughs> and I come to you sometimes. I think mostly I talk to, I talk to friends also, or maybe I'll do some journaling or something. Yeah. It helps I used a lot. to love my therapist, but. But you don't love her anymore. I don't have a therapist anymore. That's where the pillow came in. <laughs> <laughs> pillow replaces therapist. I feel like every time I need to kind of talk something out, I just go for a walk instead. Yeah. So, but you know what's really interesting? I have a friend named Heather Haverleski, and she's an advice columnist. She has a column called Ask Polly. She's also written a couple books. One's called How to Be a Person in the World. And then she just had an ebook come out a couple months ago called Ask Polly's Guide to Your Next Crisis. And wow. um, she gets questions from people 
all the time about all kinds of issues. And a lot of those issues are pretty existential. Really, it's not just like the Dear Abby or, oh, remember Laura Schlesinger? God, her, <laughs> her people were dumb. <laughs> Laura, my hand's on a hot stove. What should I do? That's what Take it off. <laughs> Goddamn bitch. <laughs> she would berate them. <laughs> okay, so but these people come to a, come to her with like real life problems. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the my boyfriend's cheating on me, I think, and you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. But a lot of it is about, you know, the bigger issues of why we're here, how do we connect with other people? what the fuck is wrong with me? Why do I keep making the same mistakes? I feel like it's a lot deeper than Dear Abby was so on the surface. Yeah. I know Dear Abby's still around and I think it's changed, Mm -hmm. but I think audiences have changed and I think people really gravitate toward this kind of advice. So we stopped by and had a little chat with Heather to find out more about the kind of advice she gives, who's asking for it, why they would ask a stranger for advice and uh, we got a lot of advice ourselves that day, I would say. She gave a lot of good insight into why humans uh, <laughs> are so fucked up. And she's hilarious. What we all want. And she's a little funny. Yeah. She's very funny. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's not going to pull any punches, people. As an advice <laughs> columnist, it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And you need advice from her. Here's our interview with Heather Haverleski. I get about 10 to 20 letters a week and maybe like, I guess it comes out to like two to five letters a day, generally, right after my column goes up on Wednesdays on the cut, right after that I'll see like a spike, especially if it's about a bad boyfriend. How many letters are from men versus women? Yeah, I definitely get more letters from women. I get a handful of letters from men. So I guess the vast majority are women. I don't feel like the readers are necessarily as completely dominated by women. Men just don't ask for advice, I feel like. (laughs) I don't know. As often, you know. And what do you think is the age range of people writing to you? In the beginning, I think that I personally chose a lot of young people's letters. And the age range was 17 through... 34, let's just say. It's funny how I arbitrate. Not 35, 34. (laughs) But I actually feel like I'm, you know, I was really into writing about being in your 20s and figuring out your path and understanding, you know, how hard it is to try to do everything at once after you graduate from high school or college, trying to get your own place and make a lot of friends and fall in love and establish some kind of career. I loved in the early days of the column, it started in 2012. I loved writing about that kind of issue, like everything in my life is bad. Someone in their 20s saying that. But now I'm more attracted to random, I'm in my mid-30s and my career is stuck, or I'm in my mid-40s and I'm having a midlife crisis, or I'm 57 and I just lost my parents. You know, I definitely choose a much more kind of variety in my letters now. Have you seen a difference since 
the election? Are you getting different kinds of letters? Right after the election, I got a lot of what the hell are we supposed to do now kinds of letters. Like, how am I supposed to put one foot in front of the other under these extremely trying and terrible circumstances? I would get regular advice letters and right after the election I'd be like like I care about your dumb boyfriend are you kidding me I mean which is not fair because people's lives go on but I had about a two-month period where I was like oh my god I can't I can't even believe you want to give me the rundown of this guy not calling you back right now you know um but you know everything becomes normalized sadly and uh now I'm back to analyzing why a guy won't call someone back the, the default letter is like, we had been dating for about nine months, and then he started acting weird, and I thought he was so into me in the beginning, and then on Thursday, he did this, and then on Saturday, and I remember actually being exactly like that and calling my friends and saying, but listen, you got to know that on Friday, he said this, and on Saturday, and I remember thinking I had some friends who were like, oh my God, like you're not giving me the chronology right now, like anybody cares. And I remember thinking, like, who doesn't love this stuff? Who doesn't love to know? Like, we need to just dive in. I did. I could not see the big picture, you know? The thing is, nine times out of ten, you get a letter where there's a lot of detail. You get a tiny, you put a tiny toe into that, and you're like, yeah, terrible situation because terrible person. Or, hmm, you love this stuff too much, you know? Like, you, you love, the reason this keeps going on is because you love analyzing every beat of this person who can't show up for you, you know? You love having people not show up for you, essentially. You're in love with being neglected, which, you know, I I have a lot of empathy for that because I was like that too. This column has made me a healthier person, and now that I'm a little bit healthier, I'm kind of like, let's just cut to the chase. You know, I'll get a letter like that, I'll read half of it, and I'll just say... This just, yes, I understand. Like, there's no reason to spend two hours editing it down to four paragraphs and then addressing it, you know? The best letters are the ones that are sort of like, oh, my God, it's I don't have to do anything to this letter. This person gets in, they get to the point, but it's illustrated enough and there are enough clues that there's a lot to kind of dig into. The common theme underneath everything, uh, every kind of sleuthing, the sleuthing attempts, it starts off as he's doing something wrong, right? She's doing something wrong, right? Like they're not playing by the rules, right? But the beneath that is there's something a little bit wrong with me, isn't there? You know, because if you didn't believe there was something wrong with you, you wouldn't really care about defining the, the very strict rules and stipulations of other people's behavior, I mean, I think that it takes a lot of time. I mean, I don't know if it takes everyone a lot of time to get here, but um, it took me, I don't know, since maybe a year or two ago to realize that everybody actually plays by their own rules. I used to have these long conversations with friends like, that's not right, right? I mean, that's just messed up, isn't it? And that's when you hear someone saying this that stuff over and over again, it's the sound of someone saying, why do I have to put up with this bullshit? And actually, the answer is you don't fucking have to put up with it. It doesn't even matter what anyone's like universal standard of behavior is. All that matters is can you trust yourself to decide what you will and won't accept? And most people can't trust themselves to decide that. 
for decades. They just can't. They want other people to tell them, what what can I expect? And, you know, for sure, when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's so natural that you would want other people to help you define what you can and can't expect because you're in so many compromising situations. But when you finally land in a place where you say, you know what, some people think this is okay, but I think it's fucking bullshit and I don't want it in my life, so fuck you, you know? It's not that big of a deal just to say, I get that this works for a lot of people, but I'm a little weird, you know? And here's what I like, not that. (laughs) I don't accept that kind of behavior, I don't like it. It makes me crazy. Maybe it's because I am crazy. Maybe that's why it makes me crazy. I don't give a fuck. I just don't like, I don't want it in my life. I, I think that there's a kind of advice columnist who actually is all about like standards and practices. Like we can all agree that it's not okay to do X, Y, and Z. And it's not like I never go there. But, and you know, and certainly if you get too much into a state of moral relativism about, you know, well, I've decided that's shitty, so I don't want it. So, you know, you, you can sound like you're kind of saying, be as fucked up as you want to be and make the world come to you. I tend to kind of um, preach a little bit of acceptance, self-acceptance. That's okay if he does it that way. That's okay if she does it that way. Make some room for it. But I think at the basic level of can you navigate the world and not feel crazy and terrible and angry all the time, it always comes back to this feeling of like, do you know that you're okay the way you are? Do you know that you're not a mess just because the world tells you you're a mess? Especially for women, because the world will tell you you're a mess every goddamn where you go, work, uh, romance, everywhere. You're the mess. You're the problem. I mean, that's just what women hear. Hillary Clinton, hello. The question is, are you going to eat that and internalize it for the rest of your life? Or are you going to say, you know what, I, maybe though, and maybe I'm completely out of sync with the whole world, but I'm not going to fucking walk around. I'm not going to fucking, you know, spend my life walking around believing that I'm a wreck simply because I live in a culture that hates women. I've decided instead, call it whatever you want. Call me a mess if you want to, but here's what I expect for myself and others, you know? And when you can define what you can, what you expect from yourself and others, then you don't have to, um, I don't know. The, it's, there's so many layers to that journey, you know? There's like the way you talk to yourself, the way you coach yourself through things instead of saying, you fucked up again, you loser. See, you're fucked up just like everyone said you are. I mean, what's interesting about doing this for a long time is that everybody has the same stuff going on. I used to get into, he's sounds like a narcissist you sound like you might be a little sociopathic no 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 like I used to like the the little folds of that but now I find myself going back to the same kind of themes of self-esteem and self-talk and anxiety and how you you know there are just these essential things that we all have in common and there's something about our culture that either we're just as animals self-hating animals or there's something about our culture that makes us feel like we're falling behind and we're not good enough and we're not we're messing up and we're not in sync with the culture and we're somehow like bad and if we could just fix the things that are bad We could get all the things that we dream of and be powerful and matter and be seen and every corner of our houses would be perfectly pristine. And maybe I just see it that way because when I talk to people now also in real life, the themes are always the same too. And my themes are always the same. And it's like, 
I, you know, it's really interesting how we're all struggling with the same basic things. Because once you see that really clearly, it's easier to relax because you meet people and you have a possibility for connection there that you, you know, when you're younger, you can't see past like, her hair's weird. She talks in a really cheery voice that puts me on edge. You know, you just see difference. And when you get older and you realize the more you tune into the fact that we're all eating ourselves alive all the time and that we actually all really want the same things, love and connection. And, and also we want all these things that, the, that we shouldn't want that our culture tells us is, you know, all these elusive, delusional, crazy, escapist things that aren't even good for us. Um, we get fixated on these things, novelty, you know, and it's excitement and lusty adventure. I mean, not that all these things are bad things, um, but our, the ideal that we're, I actually love the, um, the fire festival scandal that was took that just kind of, have you heard about this at all? Okay. So this is kind of a little bit of a digression, but trust me, it's worth it. I don't know all the facts, so let me just say, uh, let's just insert allegedly into every sentence I'm about to say, but Ja Rule and these investors s set up, they thought, let's do this crazy festival, music festival. We'll invite Blink-182 and like two other, I can't remember the other bands, um, some DJ, <laughs> some DJ said the old lady, and we'll just do it on this island in the Exumas. I've never even heard of this. They're, it's in the Bahamas somewhere. So they took this like random scrubby island right but it's in the beautiful Bahamas so the waters are really clear and beautiful and they said we're gonna have this Coachella type thing you know but small and they build it as it's gonna be totally VIP and you pay like a, from a thousand to like a hundred thousand and you you know bring your yacht pull up your yacht and it's gonna be and they made these trailers for it that were like hot supermodels walk, swimming through crystal clear waters and people at a concert going like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all these people showed up and, and from, I guess from three months ago, now there are these inside scoops of like, no one knew what they were doing and they were trying to make it this luxury thing, but they did, really didn't, all I can say is, that, <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. All these people showed up at this, uh, essentially on this like, scrubby like hungry insect covered rotten island and there was the catering was just in a shack like it's it wasn't even like um it didn't look good there were no supermodels there were just these jackasses who'd paid too much I mean it's not their fault but they they're flown to this island and they show up and there's nothing there but like these falling down tents some tent with some shitty food in it and they showed like the dinner and it was like a, a styrofoam thing with like two pieces of bread and two two slices of like American cheese, like coal, you know, just like raw on the bread. And then like this terrible salad that's just like, you know, cafeteria salad. So and this is, like, you know, you paid like whatever, too much detail. But the bottom line is <laughs> this is what you can do now. You know, you can fuck with people and that, you know, people are all because people want to be where, you know, Kendall Jenner is and to live that way, you know, live as if you're in her Instagram, just crawl right up into that Instagram and live right there with her. And she did promotions for it, of course, apparently. And it's like, you know, 
people want to be inside a picture of the best part of Kim Kardashian's house next to her airbrushed ass, you know, like it's just not possible to be her or to live there. She doesn't live there. I want to talk about one of the columns that I just read, which which was from a girl who had been overweight. She lost weight and had been dating for a few years, but she was having trouble keeping a man. But I loved the way that you wrote this um, about the kind of men that she's been dating. And the guys who want more mystery, who want more quiet, who want a better body, who want more suspenseful waiting time between texts, those guys can go chase one of a million self-made shadows, shiny ghosts that are always disappearing around the next corner, harpies who shriek in eerie minor chords that make every threatened, mystery-addicted dick for five square miles grow rock hard in milliseconds. We don't want those dicks. (laughs) So good. Do you get response from the the people who have written to you seeking advice? People do tell me that, you know, we'll give, we'll come back to me and say like, thank you. And, or, you know, okay, you answered my letter. (laughs) I don't want to say thank you. Uh, because you know, sometimes it's sort of neutral. Like I'm, I'm trying to take to heart some of the things you said, you know, some people don't ever write to me. Some people do. And some people follow up later, um, and say, Hey, things have gone really well for me lately. Um, I do get a lot of letters from people also who are like, um, I've done, made a lot of changes in my life. I never wrote to you, but I made a lot of changes based on your responses to other people and things are going really well. And I just want you to know that, um, I appreciate it kind of thing. Um, people thank me all the time, April. It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) I do so much for so many and I try to be humble about it. No, I mean, I don't. I honestly walk around kind of feeling like I hope I'm not um I mean I get so many letters and I cannot answer all my letters and I can't I just I have to write other things and I have to make a living and I um and also I don't have the emotional bandwidth to answer everything I'm just not the kind of person who can I mean I have two kids who are young and a husband yeah, how does that who's tapping on my shoulder all the time like hello do you, do you take that stuff on I do sometimes, you know, I don't, I, I feel it's intense because you could argue that, okay, I should be reading every single letter, just scanning for emergencies and stuff, but I don't, I just, I don't know. I have to, I have to adjust my, I just basically decided like, I can't do that. I'm not a hotline and I just, I understand that there are, it's like I should put it at the top of my column, by the way, I'm not a hotline and I probably will never get back to you. You know, some people who give advice say things like, I answer every letter, or they say, um, I read every letter, even if I don't answer it. I just, I mean, I do kind of figure like someone will write back. Sometimes people write back a few times, like, okay, you didn't answer my letter, but I'm still here and I want to, and that I do kind of notice that if I happen to read the, both the original letter and the follow-up. It's just... You know, I can't, I, it sucks. It's like, I, I feel, I, I pretty much feel guilty about this a lot. I'm unresolved about it. I'm conf- very conflicted about it because I feel like I should answer everything. Um, but I do know that I won't do anything else if all I do is answer everything. Cause I get three a day. I mean, it would take me half my day to answer three. I'd want to be thoughtful about it every now and then I'll just like, okay, so I, you know, this isn't right for the column, but let me just tell you, yeah, dump that guy. Like I've done that a few times, but even that feels, um, 
you know, people aren't writing to me because they need some random stranger to say, dump your boyfriend. They're writing because they want the real, like, five-page response. And um, and if I don't have time to give that, it feels a little off. If I get, like, a controlling, like, I'm dating a controlling man, you know, it's that stuff is so easy to spot a million miles away that it's just all controlling men are the same, kind of. Or they treat their girlfriends the same way. They can be amazingly nice but it's like oh where were you and tell me more about your ex-boyfriend you know I just got a letter like that and it's like I I can't resist writing back and just saying yes this is a controlling person this is the textbook controlling this doesn't get better I've never gotten a letter where I thought someone was in danger from someone else okay that's good I did get one letter that where someone said I hate this person um we're very competitive and he screwed me over we had a business together and he fucked me over and I'm furious at him and I want to seek some kind of revenge and I wrote back and said that will not help you cannot seek revenge I mean I wrote I actually wrote like two pages to this person and it wasn't a um I didn't publish it but it was just like you got to trust me that you're not going to get anything you got to let this go you're not going to get anything out of it and this you're describing a person who wouldn't even feel it you know, short of drastic measures, he's not going to feel it. And if you take drastic measures, you're the one who's going to feel it because you're going to wind up in jail. It's not, and then you, and then he's the one who has the last word on you. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I that was the only thing where I was like, um, I have to say something. It's not publishable. I mean, the thing is, when the stakes are, there's a certain kind of too high stakes where you have to write back, but you can't publish it. It's just like where you're just like, this is an unfortunate side effect of having this job. I love Cheryl Strayed, and I love the way she writes, uh, you know, the way she wrote that advice column, Dear Sugar, kind of inspired me to take my, I was already writing advice on my blog at that point, but it inspired me to take it more seriously because I could read a response from her and it would make me cry. Like, you know, most of the time I'd end up crying, which I think is an amazing skill, you know, to kind of create that kind of intimacy with someone you don't know. Um, but my column, it, you know, it started out, I'd never really envisioned it as the same kind of thing. It moved in that direction at some point, but it started out just, I thought what I had to offer was more like, oh yeah, that's stupid. You know, like more tough love kind of, um, you're, you're fooling yourself and you're fooling your boyfriend and you've got to get over it. Um, but then... Then it kind of moved in the direction of more of a Cheryl Strayed, like where I would cry every time I wrote the column. And and I was sort of almost going through therapy as I was like developing what I wanted the column to be. I think the reason that the column works really well in a new way every week is because I am a very conflicted person. I am, you know very negative and I can be extremely optimistic. I'm very lazy and irrational, but I'm also very pragmatic and very like, I just need to exercise more. You know, like I just need to move more. Maybe I just need to drink a little more water. And I also am, I try to solve my own problems in a kind of concrete way. And I've always been very like, I just need to wash my floors of my apartment more often, you know? And like, I fixed everything. I've washed my floors of my apartment and everything is great. Like I just, I'm just naturally like a, um, 
a problem solve like I solve my own problems and then I move past it and then another problem presents itself. Now, you know, probably everybody's like that, but I have constant new problems. I create new problems for myself and I'm I've been at war with who I am for so many decades now. You know, so I think that because I have all this experience in being in this tumultuous state of rejecting myself and chasing people who reject me and but also pragmatically trying to get over it and analyze it. I have a lot to say about this stuff and I also just love revisiting the terrible mistakes I've made. A lot of my columns are just about making peace with the fact that things don't necessarily get better and better and better as you get older you know, or making peace with the fact that like everything is imperfect and you are imperfect. Even if I'm kind of annoyed by the person who's writing to me, I get to a point where I'm kind of like, but you know, I know you're just trying, you know, and then I feel emotional, you know, where I, cause I, I kind of ask myself to like connect to the person, even if I'm just like, I hate this bitch. She's annoying. You know, I, I'm still sort of like, Oh, but she's just trying to find love or she just needs her mom to say, I love you sometimes, you know? And then I'm, and then I'm kind of like, how do I, how am I going to take her hand and turn the corner with her? Like, how can I show her that? If there's one thing that I want to do in every column is like to show people that you can change your perspective and it changes your life kind of in a way that's very, feels very kind of rough and jagged and organic, you know? Like, it's not like you have to be Gandhi to have everything shift. You don't have to arrive at some place where now there's just happiness and things look great. It's sort of like, but you can be in a situation and just be seeing it the wrong way and just be so stuck. And then someone comes in and says, it's okay that you're there. Forgive yourself, but just take a step in this direction and you'll see that all of this shit that you're so bogged down by can actually melt away with just this one step. It's not like everything is solvable that way, but there are a lot of problems. They're just like, I love a letter that's just like, I'm carrying this around with me and I'm obsessing on it and I can't let it go. And I've decided there's something wrong with me. And everything I do is informed by the fact that there's something wrong with me and I know it, you know? When you see that, you, you just want to find a way to just pry that belief out of someone's hand so they can move forward without <laughs> and then become someone like me who cries every five minutes, <laughs> which is the definition of joy. Oh, see, the thing is, though, when you when you it's like for me, <laughs> there's something about that turn that just gets me. You know, it's like when people can't. when people can't get there and you just there's nothing better than feeling like you can it's not about it's weird because it's not when people say oh your calm's so great you're so great it's like i don't i really it's so nice but you know i've had success in my career like i'm very lucky as a writer i kind of don't give a fuck necessarily i just want to be able to do i love how it feels to be able to visit that spot and do that turn you know on the page like it just is so satisfying but to get to get to that place where 
you understand connection even though no one else is there, you know, and you can, I mean, it's a little bit like writing music or creating art. I can't imagine not writing this column. If they kick me off the cut, I'll just, will be, I don't know, I'll be like the free whore on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Who else wants advice? Well, and it's exciting uh, too because I got to see it from beginning, you know, be, from the beginning. Yeah, and yeah. You saw it from the beginning in the sense that, like, you would see me going to parties and people saying, like, two words to me and me going, oh, I get it. You're the kind of person who likes to kind of keep take control of things. Oh, I see. And I would just start talking, you know, like, two beers in. It didn't take much. Like, it wasn't like a drunk thing necessarily. It was like I would have a beer and be like, oh, I'm just meeting you, but I can see what you do. Oh, is that your boyfriend? Oh, I see what you just did. Cool. Yeah, you're a person who blah, 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 blah. And guess what? People fucking hate that. They hate it. They're like, get away from me. I thought that I thought that it would be welcome. Because if, if, when someone does that to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to know this. Why do you think people are more open to discussing their personal life, existential topics issues they maybe wouldn't have talked about in the past. I feel like people are just way more open about maybe not talking to each other, although I think we are more open about talking to each other about things, but more open when they write to an advice columnist. Like Dear Abby was always like, it, it would be a huge deal if somebody wrote, my husband's been cheating on me and I think it's with my sister. What do I do? That was a huge admission. But now people are revealing, you know, they're insecurities and and innermost feelings why do you think people are more open to sharing stuff now well i mean i think that the culture has just moved in this direction slowly since the 70s i mean probably slowly since the beginning of time who knows but if you can see it as a progressive thing which who knows oftentimes it seems like ground is gained and then lost in rapid succession but um but i do think that um obviously the culture has changed and you know because the i'm okay you're okay was like the the first level of it like boomers were into i'm okay you're okay but all it meant was like saying i you're okay with me and i'm okay with you okay we're done we're done we don't have to feel anything we can just say it you know my mom used to say anything you want to talk about just come to me i you know i'm open i'm fine with it let's just talk about all the things and then i'd come to her with something and she'd be like I didn't want to know that. I can't talk about that. I don't, what do you expect from me? It's like they knew how to sound, but not really how to feel their way through it. And now I think people are actually catching up in the way of, wow, like really being present with other people is taxing. It takes a lot of work to get to the place where you can do it and be rela relax into it and not be afraid, not be anxious. I mean, depending on how you were raised, obviously. I think Everything in our culture right now is kind of this weird psychological analysis, you know. Are you ever surprised by what people share with you? No, because it's anonymous. And also because I'm an oversharer by nature. So I can, I'd write anything to someone who was a stranger. I mean, the guy who was like, give me one good reason why I shouldn't cheat on my wife. That was kind of interestingly frank and amazing. I wish I got more letters like that. This guy said... Tell me one good reason why I shouldn't cheat on my wife. And then he gave me 10 reasons why he should cheat on his wife. 
you know, number one, you know, I'll be more relaxed and happy around the children. Because <laughs> I got off with somebody else. I was like, oh, God, yes. Thank you for coming to me with your problem. It was like a preemptively aggressive letter. Like, I deserve to cheat on my wife, God damn it. And you're going to hear why. And I dare you to say I shouldn't. You know, which is always fun. Because then you can say, yeah, you, you might as well not be married. Like, why are you married if you're just going to lie? What's not a relationship? You're not a bad person necessarily if you go to your spouse and say, I have to do something. I feel like I'm going to die miserable, you know, which I think this guy did feel that way. Since doing the column, has your your hope in humanity lessened or gotten stronger? Yeah, I, f I have much more hope for humanity than I did when I started the column because I feel like I have more hope for myself because the, the things that I would have defined as mistakes or failures or shortcomings in myself in the past I see these things in other people over and over again, and they don't strike me as shortcomings in other people anymore because we all do the same things to ourselves every single day. And even once you recognize all of that, the thing that's crazy about it is you can see it, analyze it, write about it every week, talk about it to everyone you know, go back to the essentials like you're okay, there's nothing wrong with you, everything's fine, keep moving forward. Don't even move forward if you don't feel like you have, like, take care of yourself, respect your own boundaries, get rid of people in your life who make you miserable, short of it being your mother, you know, in which case, analyze that carefully before you t give your mother the, the boot. But, you know, sometimes people need to stop talking to their mothers. But the point is, you see the same thing over and over again, and you see it in yourself, and yet every day feels like a brand new challenge to overcome these things that are just hardwired into you after you know 40 years of doing the same things so I guess the thing is eventually what you do is you arrive at this place where you have a lot of compassion for people in all of their various states of disrepair and when you can see how easy it is for things to go wrong for people and how poisonous the messages that our culture sends everyone how much we just imbibe the, those poisons every day and we don't even know why we're sick we just feel sick and we blame other people for the fact that we feel sick i i don't know i mean i'm not a, a huge lover of humanity and he, other humans i never have been i'm not like a let's all sing in the streets together kind of person remotely i wasn't raised that way i was my mama didn't raise me that way to join hands and sing but the thing is when you look at individual people you can find them really easily if you're okay with yourself and that's when you arrive in that place everything else all the other shit storms going on in your life when you get to that place where you can really connect with people having met them for a few minutes even when you can see people clearly because you're not all clouded by your own bullshit you have hope in people because you have hope in yourself Heather. Hopeful, but hating people. I can totally identify with that. Oh, yeah. But I also think it was great when she talked about how there is a theme. Like, did you read Emerson in college? Oh, I had to, yeah. Yeah, so do you remember <laughs> that? Was it um, Nature? I can't remember which essay, but there's a quote in it that still stands out to me, and I will mangle the quote. But the summary is, to know what's true in your heart of hearts is true for all man. That is genius. 
And that statement is genius. Like we're all human. Just yeah. Trying to figure out how to be a human in the world. Exactly. <laughs> and we all have the same wants, needs and desires. I mean, everybody wants to feel okay. Everybody like wants said. to feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. Loved. I, yeah. Understood. I mean, everybody always says you're born alone, you die alone, but nobody ever reminds you that you live alone. So it's kind of nice to have your voice heard sometimes, be yeah. witnessed as a human being. Yeah. Oh my God. And could you believe that fire festival story? Hilarious. I, I mean, who wants to go to <laughs> anything put on by Ja Rule in the first place? But what? <laughs> I just love the idea. I just love the thought of like all these yachts kind of pulling up to like park around the <laughs> island. Like and a then little. Like they get there and it's just this like scrappy, shitty, like not even any porta potties it's that like. island just made of plastic <laughs> bottles in the middle of the pacific or something yeah, it's just yeah. just a piece of crap there's like one guy with a steel drum <laughs> i mean also let's just be honest the fact that they're marketing it to yacht people like where's the human psychology on that like doesn't matter how rich you are you still have to be at the coolest place and well also who are all these yacht people i don't know well the yacht people of course (laughs) they eat their young (laughs) i'm gonna have to figure out what i know i'm sure there's a break in it but the people that were going to jaw rules we can just there is an absolute one of my all-time favorite movies is called the last of sheila have you heard of it? I've never heard of it. Okay, it was in. The, it's from the seventies. Diane Cannon is in it, and it is a murder mystery that takes place on a yacht. Really, it is awesome. Oh, you wanted to play that? <laughs> yes, we're gonna have a movie night. I will in the watch that. I do love it. a murder mystery. I. It I also good. have a grudge against Diane Cannon. Oh, I'm coming off grumpy tonight, but I have a, <laughs> I have a grudge. Diane Cannon. Um, What's wrong with old Diane? She said that Cary Grant. Uh, dosed her without her knowing or or strong-armed her into taking acid you know he was a big old uh lsd man oh yeah we're gonna talk about that in an upcoming episode oh fingers crossed and i <laughs> love me some Cary grant so i was very yeah. protective i was convinced i was gonna marry him but he oh, died wow. on my 14th birthday oh yeah. that's so rude how dare he and then george harrison died on my 29th birthday that's also rude I know these guys uh, these guys I love kind of dicks yeah maybe I should ask Heather about it maybe you should why do all the men I love die on my birthday <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll have some good advice for you I think it's cool that people have the balls to write into her really I know I have never had the balls to write into an <laughs> advice column this I always want to uh, give more advice. This is where I always find myself when I read advice columns. Oh, you want to yeah, add on? Yeah, I want to jump on. Oh, and... I'm going to yes and that advice. <laughs> yeah, or I'm going to butt and that advice. Yeah. Okay, I've so been, I see I've... where your advice column is, person's coming from. Now, here's a little, here's another angle. Here's Maybe what's wanna... really happening. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's where Dear Abby used to piss me off because it would just be so light and surfacey and yeah. like, you know, it just seemed kind of easy. But I, th- I, you know, advice has really changed. And I mean, even Heather talks about how her advice giving has changed over yeah. the years. So. I mean, it's not just I mean, the advice has changed, but even just the questions, people wouldn't even, there were so many taboo things you couldn't even ask about 
insecurity things. Like, how dare you let someone know you're insecure? Right. Before it was, these are the facts. Help me navigate the facts. And then I think Dan Savage did a great job when he really broke open the sexual identity and sex positive and like, these are the things I like in that. And that was already a taboo subject, but the emotions were even harder for people to get to. So it's cool that they're getting more open. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think it's still hard for people to be super open about emotions. And maybe that's where advice columnists come in because a lot of people who can't share those things with friends or family or go to therapists, um, there's a there's a place for them to get it out and seek some answers. Super cool. Because we're not always... Not everybody's born into the family that's the peop- the type of person you want to talk to or you don't yeah, always or, find yourself surrounded by like-minded individuals or right. safe space individuals even. Sometimes right. it's a scary situation in your world. Yeah. Well, thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. And thank you all for listening. And uh, if you could do us a big favor and review us on iTunes... We would love you for it. Uh, It also makes it easier for other people to find our podcast. That would be great, everyone. And thank you, though, just for listening. We're almost to 1,000. Yeah, we've got almost 1,000 subscribers. It's way more than I ever imagined. They're probably all my mom's friends. So sorry for all the fuck We'd be talking into the void. (laughs) (laughs) We just thought we'd be putting this into the void. But we really are getting great feedback and appreciate all of you and hey south africa we see you we see that you're listening (laughs) and australia and france and canada we see you too (laughs) all right everybody thanks again um, for listening and for the feedback and for being awesome and until next time i'm rachel and i'm april bye